Episode 42, Food, Hygiene, and Sex. The laws that were given to the Israelites so that they remain clean and to prevent disease were only implemented around 100 years ago as common practices for public and personal hygiene. The laws were given on what could and could not be eaten, as well as who and yes, what was allowed to have a relationship with. Welcome to the History of the Bible. In the last episode, we talked about the priest ordained and their role in the sacrifices. The priest was called to be holy as they were to represent God to the whole nation. Although Aaron's two eldest sons did not treat God as holy, and because of that, they were killed. But the book of Leviticus is not just about the ordaining of priests. It set up other structures within society. Without realizing it, God was giving the Israelites instructions on personal and public hygiene that are commonly used today to help prevent diseases. Before the concept of germs and the spreading of them came to be known, God would simply describe things as clean and unclean. If someone or something clean touched another unclean thing, the clean would be contaminated. This can be a little confusing, but remember that the germ was unknown at this time. However, being clean and unclean wasn't just related to germs. It was also associated with being unfit for worship to God. Although there is one thing that still has scholars baffled, and that is the limitation of clean and unclean food. Why God specifically called out some animals to be clean and others not to be isn't fully known. Though speculations can be given, This isn't the first time that the Bible talks about clean and unclean animals. Noah was told to take seven pairs of clean animals and only one pair of the unclean. Leviticus 11 gives a list of animals that are allowed to be eaten and that are not allowed. In essence, the animals that were allowed to be eaten were animals that divided the hoof and chewed the cud. Chewing the cud is a process by which some animals break down tough carbohydrates. Food that is eaten is returned from the stomach to the mouth so that it can be re-chewed and have more nutrients pulled from it. For the fish, the Israelites were allowed to eat any that had fins and scales. All birds were allowed to be eaten except birds of prey and winged insects that hopped. They are not allowed to eat animals that walked on paws and all fours, such as dogs and cats, and no swarming thing. This refers to rodents, snakes, and lizards. There were a couple of animals that God mentioned specifically that they were not allowed to eat. These would be the camel, rock badger, rabbit, and pigs. Now, why God gave these boundaries for what to eat is not sure. Although there have been suggestions of why, it doesn't always fully explain. The first is that clean animals versus those not being clean is because of hygiene and how the animals take care of themselves. 
making it a sanitary law. Others suggest it was meant to separate the Israelites from the surrounding nations. And though it does, a dietary law like this has never been written up until this point. So it could be that because of these things that the Israelites ate, it separated them from the rest of the nations. Another suggestion is that the avoidance of eating some animals was completely related to religious laws. The reason that certain types of animals were excluded from being eaten is that they were symbols of sin. The issue with some of these thoughts is that if we look at Noah, God told him to bring more clean animals in comparison to unclean ones. This was before God permitted people to eat meat and before any nations were formed. There has been one other thought. Today, some nutritionists have found that the guidelines of the clean and unclean animals to eat without modern food safety could help prevent many health-related issues when it comes to their diet. However, none of these thoughts can give a full explanation of why an animal is clean or unclean. Although, just because the animal is on the unclean list does not mean that it is evil and God doesn't care for it. Leviticus doesn't just talk about which animals to eat and which not to eat. It goes into how a woman was to remain at home, being unclean, after giving birth to a child, as well as diseases and what to do with a person with leprosy. Now, the Bible at this point uses the Greek word that means leprosy. However, when the law was given to Moses and the Israelites at Mount Sinai, the specific disease of leprosy had not yet been discovered. The Hebrew word that is used for the word leprosy refers to any type of skin disease, not just leprosy. The priest was responsible for inspecting and determining if a person had some type of skin disease. If a priest found the person to have a disease, the person would then have to be moved and live outside of the camp, not as punishment, but to help prevent the disease from spreading to others in the camp. The person with the disease would then have to wear torn clothes and shout, Unclean! as they walk through the areas with other people. This practice of tearing the clothes was a sign of mourning, as it could be because they were not allowed to be with society until they were clean. The person was to be isolated so that the disease would not spread to others around them. But it doesn't just talk about how to get rid of those that have a skin disease. God gives a way for a person to be made clean once again so that they can become part of society once again. The one who was to be cleansed was to shave their head and then the priest that was to pronounce them clean would perform a sacrifice. The priest would take two birds outside the camp to the person. One bird would be killed and the other would be dipped into the blood of the other bird and then set free. This would symbolize the release of the unclean disease. After seven more days, they are allowed to re-enter into their tent or home 
and then present another offering themselves at the tabernacle, indicating that they were now back in the fold of the community and once again in fellowship with God. A sin offering, a burnt offering, and a grain offering were all given at the tabernacle. During this offering, the placing of the blood on the right earlobe, thumb, and the right toe would then be done the same way that is used for the priest to be purified before God. The steps that God gives that are taken to prevent the spreading of disease are the same things that are used today. The removal of a person from society meant to place a sick in isolation or quarantine so that the disease would not continue to spread. Even items that had diseases growing on them, it was the responsibility of the priest to determine if it was clean or unclean. Most likely, this would be some type of fungi or mold growing on the item. Even for a house that appears to have some type of disease growing within it, God gives instructions on how to clean it. Or, if the disease continues to remain in the house after being clean, then the house would be torn down and the stones and timber removed from the city. Another thing that would cause a person to become unclean is bodily discharge. It specifically talks about a man ejecting sperm and a woman on her menstrual cycle. Now the concept of germs and disease spreading through the body fluids was not a thing at all. The recommendations of Leviticus were only implemented in the medical community a little more than a hundred years ago, while God had the Israelites doing this kind of stuff long before it was known. When it talks about a man having discharge of sperm, it is believed to be talking about an STD. This is where the man can sometimes randomly discharge sperm. That is why the Bible says that anything he sits on, lays on, or touches will become unclean. Once the man no longer had the discharge, he was to remain unclean for seven days, and then he was able to come back into the fold of society and after two turtle doves or pigeons for his atonement as a sacrifice. However, because of the ejection of sperm from the man would make him unclean, and whoever it touches, this would mean if a man and his wife had sex together, they too would be unclean until the evening. The evening was the beginning of the day for the Israelites, whereas today, the beginning of the day is midnight. For them, it was sundown. This isn't to say that sex was bad. Being unclean did not mean being sinful whatsoever. When it says that they are unclean, yes, it can help prevent the spreading of disease, but Leviticus 15 verse 31 calls them to separate from being unclean so that they can come into the tabernacle. Leviticus 15 talks about two different groups of bodily discharge. Two were normal bodily functions, and the other two were not normal. A man discharging while having sex and a woman's menstrual cycle are both normal functions of the body. These did not require full atonement, only to be unclean until the evening, or for the woman while in her cycle, 
once she was finished. The other two that were not normal were when a man discharged due to a disease, like the one we just mentioned, and when a woman was bleeding outside of her regular cycle. God would have them remain separate from society for seven days. Once the discharge ended, then they were allowed to come back into the tabernacle and offer an atonement sacrifice. Again, this is a way that God was using to protect the Israelites from spreading diseases through the discharge of the body. Because today, we know how many diseases can be passed on from the body through its fluids. It never meant to be seen that if a person was unclean, they were sinful. They were just not allowed to go into the tabernacle when they were unclean. After being cleaned by washing their clothes, bathing, and waiting till sundown, they were allowed to re-enter the tabernacle. God would continue to give laws to the Israelites, and this would be what the relationships were allowed between a man and a woman. This, of course, is talking about sexual relations with one another. Most of these laws regarding the relationship that was allowed or not seem to be common sense to us today. However, it needs to be remembered that most marriages up until this point were between close relatives. Abraham married Sarah, who was a half-sister. Jacob married his two cousins, Rachel and Leah. All of Adam and Eve's children married each other. Today, we would call these types of relationships incest. Yes, Adam and Eve, that makes sense of why their children married each other. There wasn't anyone else around to be with. But what about the other relationships? Does God allow incest? Today, we know incest to be a bad thing. Not only is it weird that someone would be married and sleeping with a sibling or close relative, but often incest happens through abuse. However, the main issue with incest, even if it's not abuse, is that it produces offsprings with genetic mutations or birth defects. Today, almost 50% of children that come from this type of relationship have some kind of disability or mental deficiency. When Adam and Eve were first created, they were perfect. This included their genetics. So when they gave birth to their children, they are almost perfect to perfect genetically. The fall of man and sin being introduced into the world would begin the degeneration of genetics. As time went on, genetics would still be closer to perfect, so when a relationship happened between close relatives, it would produce children without birth defects. That is why until the law was given to Moses, God allowed for close relative relationships to happen. At the point of time when the law was given, human genetics would be getting less perfect and would produce more birth defects in children. The other thing why close relative relationships were allowed was because often people grew up in villages and communities that were all somehow related. When the separation of languages happened in Genesis, people groups were split up into different families. 
the only people they would have been able to communicate with were family. So, of course, people are going to marry close relatives. They are the only people that were around and able to talk with. And often, other unknown tribes were not the friendliest. This is to say that close relative relationships were accepted socially in ancient times because it made sense to marry within your tribe of people. So to make sure that children would be produced with fewer birth defects, God no longer allowed for close relative relationships. In Leviticus 18, God gives the relationships that are no longer allowed. But most of these sexual relationships that God forbids were common practices in Egypt and in the land of Canaan. And no, this is not God trying to be a killjoy to the Israelites. In reality, he was protecting the sanctity of marriage between a man and his wife, as well as future generations. Although some of these sexual relationships were even looked down upon in ancient societies, others were practiced by them. All direct relatives were now forbidden. This included half-siblings or step-family members, yes, step-moms and dads as well, aunts, uncles, sons and daughters, and even sibling spouses were not allowed. God even forbids the marriage of multiple women, a woman and her daughter or mother, a woman and her granddaughter, as well as a woman and her sister. Now, some scholars believe that when it says to not marry a woman and her sister, it isn't talking about her biological sister, but rather her fellow woman. Because in Leviticus 18, verse 18, it says that the Israelites were not allowed to take a woman as a rival between her sister while her sister is still alive. This would be God calling the Israelites to live a life that is married to only one woman. On the other hand, it could mean that God didn't want a man to marry a woman and her sister, which would mean that God was okay with men having multiple wives. But God never intended for marriage to be that way. He made it to be between one man and one woman. God would continue with placing boundaries on sexual relationships. And yes, that does include homosexuality. In Leviticus 18, verse 22, it says that if a man lies with another man, it is an abomination. Two people of the same sex, not just getting married, but sleeping together, was to God an abomination. But God doesn't stop there. He forbids the Israelites from having sex with animals. Bestiality was a thing that many societies practiced. Although some cultures outlawed it, others only partially outlawed it. For example, Hittite laws forbid certain animals, while other animals were okay to have sex with. Other ancient myths celebrate the coming down of a god or goddess in a form of an animal and having sex with humans. Most, if not all, of these sexual relationships were practiced by the tribes living in the Promised Land as well as in Egypt. 
This is why God is placing the law for the Israelites to follow, so that they can walk in holiness before God and not act as the nations and tribes around them. The laws are being given to the Israelites so that they can live a holy life before God and to separate themselves from the nations that are surrounding them. Although it may seem like a bunch of rules, God was looking out for the best interest of the Israelites. Setting up boundaries of what is clean and unclean can protect them from what they eat to the prevention of diseases. And then the Lord begins to set ways that the Israelites can practically walk a life that is holy before God, whether that is through sexual relationships or, as we will see in the coming chapters of Leviticus, through keeping all of the commandments of God. So join us next time in episode 43, A Deeper Calling. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.